Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast. We create beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what you're going to read this week. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And this is week four of our This is the Church series. And we are joined today by Dr. Christina Edmondson. This girl, you guys, are oh, going to love she's her. brilliant. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let's start the list. Christina has a PhD in counseling psychology. She's got a master's in family systems and a bachelor's in sociology with an emphasis in race, class, and gender. Y'all, Christina has done the work, but even more than that, she lives what she has learned. Just this conversation about the capital C church with her is fantastic. Let's get right to it. Christina Edmondson, welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. Thank you all so much for having me. Amanda and I were talking before um, you got on that it occurred to us kind of minutes ago that we all attend the same church. Our church is one church, many locations. <laughs> we have different pastors, yeah. but we're all members of the same church, which I kind of love for this episode. It's pretty great. It's pretty <laughs> perfect for this, honestly. And yeah. your pastor is someone you know very well. I know my pastor husband well. Yes. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I serve at the Koinonia as scholar in residence. And part of that is because I maintain multiple church affiliations because of the nature yeah. of the work that I do. So I do consider myself in some ways, you know, a very important visitor. <laughs> um, and I, and I, do, I, like I do consider my husband pastor for sure. But also, I mean, because I'm connected to so many traditions and denominations mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it's where I go every Sunday <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. And then I go out and work with all kinds of other traditions throughout the course of the week, which is a real privilege and blessing to me. It was just impressive to read your bio and to see, like you just said, like you're doing a lot of cool things right now. And I also feel like it's cool to point out to our listeners, the church, this Koinonia church that y'all lead, y'all planted that in the pandemic. Yes. Wild, isn't it? (laughs) What was that like? I I think ultimately God plants any real church. So this is a reminder of that, right? Because I think sometimes we can have things that fall into place nicely and that And that can make us think that we're doing all the things. But when you have a difficult situation, it's a reminder of like, oh, you know, if God doesn't build it, it won't be built. And so and I think also I think one of the blessings to us is that we had to think about some issues that all churches should be thinking about, you know, like community Mm -hmm. and safety and trust and ethics and all kinds of things that we ought to be thinking about. But because of the nature of the pandemic, those had to be at the forefront. What will it take to make sure that people are safe in every way possible, medically safe in terms of our practices? That overflows into spiritual safety too, right? And so, yeah, yeah, I think it made us put that right at the forefront of our minds as we were thinking and trying to serve (laughs) in the midst of this foggy, weird season and painful season for many people yes. that we've been in. And a long season. I mean, hello. It's yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm personally is. over it. It's not over us, though, but I am over it. <laughs> that is a good distinction, my friend. That is a good distinction. Well, hearing you talk about how you, you know, you belong to a church and you have a church family, but you also are very involved in a lot of different denominations and parts of the Capital C Church. You're just such a great person to have on for this specific series, because that's what we're doing is we are, the title of the series is This is the Church, and this Mm. is week four of five weeks. So we're in the next to last week, and what we've been doing over the last few weeks is looking to Scripture Mm -hmm. to ask the question of Scripture, what is the church? And so we're talking about the identity and the nature of the church. Um, We're talking about the mission, the purpose. And so what we've done is we've sort of started like, you know, at... 30,000 feet and mm-hmm. said, you know, with things like the church is both visible and invisible. It's both present and historic and future. And, you know, it's both holy and imperfect, right? Mm, and so, indeed. indeed. <laughs> and so, we, we started just with the identity, like the nature of the church, that mm-hmm. it was established by Jesus. And then we've kind of been like zooming very slowly in. And so, this week's reading is really fun because this is the most zoomed in that we've gotten so far in our reading. (laughs) And we're going to talk about some things that 
can be a little bit contentious if we're honest, like in terms of how different traditions practice certain things or interpret Mm-hmm. certain passages of scripture. And yeah. so we are going to model what I think is becoming all too rare mm-hmm. in that we're going to talk about these things in terms of, okay, what are the things that we agree on here? You know, what are the things that really fall into that category of essentials mm-hmm. of the gospel? Yeah. As opposed to non-essentials, still important things, yeah. but non-essentials and then opinions also mm-hmm. can be very important, but still. <laughs> yes. But yes. they're not the same. But right? in the right place. They're very that's important right. to people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So our list of topics this week, y'all know if you've been listening that our day titles all finish the sentence that begins with the churches. Mm-hmm. So this week we'll be saying, you know, the church is marked by baptism. Mm-hmm. The church is a gospel community. The church is a people of remembrance. The church is proclaiming the word. And the church is preserving the message. I mean, I just feel like just reading those five things, I'm like, yeah, I'm so happy High to fives. be a part of Christ Church. <laughs> like, I want to be a part of this, and I'm so mm-hmm. thankful to be a part of this. And so, Christina, again, one of the reasons that we're so excited to have you on really any episode of this series or any series, this series in particular, is because this is something that you have studied and like championed like other people studying like diversity of beliefs, diversity of socioeconomic backgrounds, diversity of race, like all of these things and why they are not problems to be solved, but like gifts to be celebrated and like to be valued, especially anywhere, but especially in the church. Can you talk to us for a little bit about why even the diversity of perspective within the church is good? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so, yes, diversity of perspective is good, <laughs> and, and it's, <laughs> it's quite normal. We see that happening in the infancy of the church, <laughs> from, I mean, right, from, yeah. be, from the very beginning of the church as we know it and think about it. There's always diversity of thought, and there's also a reckoning with not only diversity of thought, which can be a gift to us to refine us and to sharpen us, but there's also a reckoning with things like social power, and how that is in relationship to diversity of thought. Because what we oftentimes get is we can get some opinions that become much louder (laughs) than other opinions based on social status and influence and these other kind kind of worldly markers of power. And so having an opportunity where we can have iron sharpen iron from diverse thinking is so important so that we don't get run amok by kind of worldly standards of authority. versus spirit-filled and spirit-led expressions of fidelity to the world. I love that. I mean, just like the the gospel is, of course, the great leveler. It is the Mm -hmm. thing that we all need, and we all need the same one thing. We need Jesus. But even, you know, I think it's Paul that says, like, now there's therefore no distinction. Like, out there, there is a hierarchy, and like you said, Christina, like, different opinions get louder microphones or bigger speakers, right? Sure. Just because of, like you said, perceived power. Mm-hmm. But within the church, those perspectives should have no distinction, right? Yes. And I would say within the invisible church, yes, but we also deal with the visible church. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, you know, because we, you know, we're not glorified yet, right? And so we're still working through that. We're still working through our fears and our idols and our issues, because we got them. You know, we're still working through all of those things. And honestly, it's oftentimes in the context of, for example, cross-cultural differences that we can start to see what of our beliefs are kind of spirit-informed convictions and what are kind of our own like cultural mythologies. Mm -hmm. And we'll never have the opportunity to see that or be challenged by that unless we actually enter into the beauty of the Catholicity of the church, which expands beyond our own little space or our own tribe, so to speak. Yeah, that's good. And when you say Catholicity, you mean, Mm -hmm. tell us what you mean. Yeah, so yeah, small c Catholicity. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that means that, I think one way I would describe it is that Jesus is not a tribal deity, although we sometimes think of Jesus in a nationalistic or in a group way. Um, Mm -hmm. Christ is the God over all the world, the God over the cosmos, and people from every tribe, nation, and tongue has been called unto the Lord. We, I think, because of our limited scope, can try to limit God's 
reach. <laughs> but there wow, is no place yeah. that we can go to be missionaries or to evangelize that God isn't already there. <laughs> God is at work over all of God's world. And and that's what I mean by the Catholicity of the church is Thank that you, yes. it is, yeah, it's to Christ's glory that the Father has called unto himself by the power of the Spirit, all kinds of people. All kinds of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even you know, and, and people we like and people we don't like, but all kinds of people are underneath Christ's banner of love. Mm-hmm. That's right. Even the likes of me. Like Amen. that's the beauty of it, I'm right? So glad. <laughs> so glad. I'm glad. I'm so glad. All right. You guys, the church is marked by baptism. All right. I'm excited. Mm. Let's so we are marked. I like that verb choice there. Yeah. Marked by baptism. Let's start this day, even before we read the scripture. You guys that have the study books, you know that there is like a little blurb. Um, like a little blurb is our I hate un, that word, unattractive I word, yeah. but so we'll say summary statement, Thank Rachel. You. There's a little mm-hmm. summary statement. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So the summary statement for yes. this day, which I have found over the past few weeks, that I am better off to just read them than to try to put them in my own words <laughs> because the team worked sure. really hard yeah. on this wording and it's actually quite good. So Jesus, great job team. Great job, guys. When Mm -hmm. you hear this, pat yourselves on the back. Okay. Jesus, in his own baptism, demonstrates the new life accomplished for us in his death and resurrection. Baptism is an external sign belonging to the people of God. That first sentence is a pretty complicated one. And so we're gonna we're gonna dig into that. That he's demonstrating new life that he's actually going to accomplish by his life, death, and resurrection. Mm -hmm. But yeah, let's read. Let's read the baptism of Jesus. Christina, would you read that for us? Matthew chapter 3, starting in 13. Absolutely. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Amen. This is a question that if you guys don't have an answer to, we can pretend I didn't ask it. (laughs) I'm excited already. If I'm remembering my Bible right, and maybe I'm not, but Jesus was not the first. He did not institute baptism. Is that correct? Because like he instituted the Lord's Supper, but John was baptizing people, and then Jesus came to be baptized. So far, I'm correct, right? That's That's right. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when did baptism start? Did that happen in the Old Testament? Or John the Baptist started baptizing people in preparation for the coming of Jesus? Is that correct? Does anyone know? (laughs) I think in some ways it depends on what tradition you pull from. I'm certain that there are some people who would say that the foreshadowing of baptism happens in cleansings that we see in the Old Testament. Okay. Right? In other words, God is a covenantal God, and there are these expressions of of being in covenant, and there are covenantal expressions from the Old Testament into the New Testament, and baptism is one of those, what cleansing looks like. Okay, yeah. And there are people who make a comparison between circumcision and baptism. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I think it depends on kind of how the different traditions come to wrestle with this. I would say what we do know is that John was baptizing people. He was preparing the way. Yeah, <laughs> He was like, yeah. you know, the Messiah is coming. <laughs> And That's right. I'm going to be found busy laying out the I'm red, be red found carpet, busy. you know, laying yeah. out the red carpet for this Messiah that is coming. And so the call for repentance and baptism yes. in some ways expressing that that's the ministry that John the Baptist, right, was right, taking, right. taking up and kind of busy doing a- along the way. And then yeah. Jesus was like, yes, like this is yep. right. Like, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. And like, y'all listening know that Amanda and I actually care strongly about asking questions that you don't know the answers to. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes finding the answers and sometimes not. But like in any case, the harder you look mm-hmm. at scripture and the bigger or weirder questions that you ask, <laughs> it doesn't fall apart. It's mm-hmm. okay. Like, and so like, I don't know the full answer to that, but I, yeah. Christina, I like your answer that it, you're right. It does have its roots probably in cleansing. 
yeah, that exchange between <laughs> between John being like, uh, you want me to baptize you? Right. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, because he because he recognizes that it's about cleansing. He's also like, well, you're holy. Like, you know, yeah, he has a, he knows an inkling who of who has. it is. Right. And yeah. Uh, and yet, yeah, Jesus is like, I'm going to submit to this. And I think, again, mm-hmm. that's a nod to the way that Christ, the God man, submitted to all that we that mm-hmm. we needed to follow in obedience, but could not follow in obedience. And so where yeah, he did right. not, he didn't need to be clean, but he's like, they need to be clean. So watch right. me do this. <laughs> and yes. then different from baptism, but also like as it relates to this act of service, we see and we'll get to, you know, even like in the institution of of the Lord's Supper, he was washing the disciples' feet. And so it's again, like this like upside down power Absolutely. scenario where, you know, First of all, John the Baptist is going like, oh, I shouldn't be the one to baptize you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And likewise, the disciples are like, I don't know that you should be the one washing our feet. This <laughs> right. is this is different. This feels wrong. We, this feels wrong. Mm-hmm. This is not what we would expect or design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The humility of God. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? In Philippians 2. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we, as the church, it's the title of the day is The Church is Marked by Baptism. So... Jesus was baptized, and then he calls us to be baptized. Like there's that conversation when yeah. he's talking to Nicodemus, mm-hmm. and Nicodemus was like, "What do you mean be born again? I can't go into my mother's womb and be <laughs> right. born again, yeah. right? Right. right?" And that's when Jesus says, "Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, mm-hmm. he cannot enter the kingdom of God." And so he's referring to baptism. Now, this is a good point mm-hmm. to stop and say that this is one of those topics that different traditions, different denominations practice differently. Mm -hmm. And so one thing, and this is not just about baptism, but anything that we've talked about or will talk about (laughs) over the course of these five weeks, you listening, if you're like, I wonder what we practice in my local church. Like, mm-hmm. how do we practice this? Or or why do we practice something the way that we do? Lean into that and ask. You know, talk to your pastor or someone at your local church and get that information because this is not something that we need to be afraid of. Like, this is, yeah. you know, our practices in the local church hopefully are all rooted in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so, so if you have your study book, this is one of those moments where we kind of put a little aside to help you frame some of the most common ways that local church communities within the capital C church, the body of Christ, practice baptism. Mm -hmm. And I love the way, I want you to hear the love and care with which this is worded, (laughs) because (laughs) it makes me really grateful, and it's also so true, and it, it helps me. Across the spectrum of Christianity, baptism marks a person's entry into a community of faith and demonstrates a connection with Jesus. We can agree on that, right? Mm -hmm. Interpretations on the further purposes, meaning, and practice of baptism differ among traditions that faithfully follow Jesus and uphold the authority of Scripture. So when you have a really strong feeling about something and there are other believers who faithfully follow Jesus and believe in the truth and authority of Scripture— who have a different strong feeling than you about that same thing, that's a moment to seek understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where those beautifully mm-hmm. diverse perspectives mm-hmm. sure. come into play. Sure, absolutely. So you all can read those. I mean, the shorthand of that is that some traditions practice infant baptism mm-hmm. as like a symbol of God's promise to his people. Think like circumcision in the Abrahamic covenant Mm -hmm, or whatever. mm -hmm. And then there's believer's baptism, which is after a confession of faith. And then there's dual practice where some churches will do both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are our highest level. Those are the highest level. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, even in this day, we have a couple of passages to read, but I actually appreciate that even at the bottom of that little views of baptism section in the study book, Mm -hmm. the the team actually just put like, here's an even more exhaustive list of all the places in scripture. It's the thing that we do at She Reads Truth. We ask a question and we simply say, what does Scripture have to say or what does Scripture teach or tell about this? And so there's a lot more references there that y'all will get to dig into. If you're listening to this on the day it releases, you'll get to dig into those today. But again, there are so many beautiful passages here. There's the John 3 passage that Amanda just mentioned. Mm. And then we also have this Romans 6 passage. Romans 6, 1 through 11. I'm kind of inclined to read. Can I read the whole thing? How dare you? Yes, How dare. absolutely. <laughs> All right. It is called the She Reads Truth podcast. All right. So Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. 
This is Paul, and he says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so that we too may walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, thanks be to God. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Man, I love that. Paul does love a run on sentence, but he has good stuff to say in there, so mm-hmm, I'll allow mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, yes, I'll allow you'll, it. you'll allow it. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. It's only a run on in English. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yes. I mean, okay, like, let's talk about, like, the baptism being the symbol of being alive to Christ, Christina. I mean, whew. Yeah, it's just such beautiful imagery. I just think about how God is so kind to condescend through these tangible expressions of faithfulness. Uh to us. And so often our faith can feel esoteric and hitty. And certainly there's some traditions that do that more so than others. But to give us a sign and some traditions, a sacrament that we can feel, we can feel the water, we can hear the water, whether you're a poor sprinkle or a full dip (laughs) in your tradition, you can see it, you can feel it. And the love of God is more real than even the water that we feel, right? And yeah, that's right. Uh, just the sweetness and kindness of those reminders. And then also the unifying element of baptism, that this is the way that we have all gone. Yeah. That we, while we may have diverse experiences and backgrounds and different struggles and besetting sins, all kinds of, you know, we have differences, right? One right. thing that we know for sure that we have in common is that we have come by way of water, that that's we right. have been baptized into Christ together. That's uh, right. You know, the, the uh, Galatians 3.28 passage, right, that talks about there is no, you know, Greek or Jew or male and female, right? And then it talks about, you know, economic status and like, you know, mm-hmm. a slave or free and that we're all one in Christ. That really has to do with the way in which we have all, despite our social backgrounds, been brought into this fellowship with each other and to baptize into the body of Christ. And that was, I mean... We say that now almost, it's quite spiritualized. Yeah. That's incredibly revolutionary <laughs> in yeah. Roman Grecian culture, as it is in United States culture. Yes. This, this idea that we are one in Christ and have been baptized into the body of Christ together, and that Galatians 3.28 passage was a common historical baptism creed. You don't hear it a whole lot, <laughs> but, it, but right. it was a very common baptism creed to get us already thinking about the covenantal obligations that we now have to each other because we're all been baptized into Christ together. So yes. uh, it's a beautiful imagery, I think, and a reminder, right, of yeah. what has been given to us and now how we are now called to live in light of our baptism. Amen. Man, I love that language that you used. We've all come through the water. Mm-hmm. Like to look at any believer and to know that that's something that we both, we have this in common. And yeah. just like looking for that common ground. And like you said, Christina, this is the intent here is indeed to unify us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really beautiful segue into the next reading day, honestly, where we talk about how the church is a gospel community. Mm-hmm. And we did, those of you who have been reading with us for a bit, you'll remember that in the fall, we did a study called One Another, yeah. where we looked at what Scripture had to say about this community of believers that the gospel creates. Mm-hmm. So the church, mm-hmm. right? But it talks about specifically about how we are to relate to one another and treat one another in response to the gospel. It's a beautiful book and series, the podcast series that y'all can go back and we'll link to it so you mm-hmm. can... Go check that out. Yeah. And so this reading day is kind of like a Cliff's Notes version of yeah, that of yeah. that study. I think it was it three weeks? Yes. It was right before Advent last year. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. 
So the summary statement. Yes, read it, Amanda. <laughs> for this day. As a community of people shaped by the gospel, mm. the church is called to love and serve one another, meeting each other's needs, and encouraging one another in godliness. Mm-hmm. And there are so many passages of scripture that could have appeared mm-hmm. yeah. in this reading day, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm. Yeah. I think about that story that I maybe have shared here. Probably. I like a good story. But that story of D.L. Moody, a pastor in Chicago way back, and he was visiting a member of his church, and the the man was asking him, like, I mean, how involved do I need to be in the church? Like, I'd, I'd like to be—I I believe I can be a believer, but not be— He was very honest. Or, yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> give, me my, give me my minimum. How often, minimum requirement. I mean, even the fact that he was talking to his pastor about that and not just yeah. sort of opting out, so— <laughs> But the story goes that D.L. Moody walked over to the fireplace that was warring against the outside winter Mm -hmm. and took one ember and set it and took it out of the fire and set it to the side. And the two men watched in silence as it burned out, but the fire kept raging. And and the man just simply turned to him and said, I see. Mm. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. We but really do need a, like, each other. <laughs> we are a gospel community, and we need each other. And that looks very different in different seasons and for different people and all the things. Like, we mm-hmm. acknowledge fully. We all, as a world, walked through what does it look like to be a community when we can't be together, right? But that was our kind of unified reality during that time. Mm-hmm. But that is some people's all-time reality, mm-hmm. you know, people who— mm-hmm can't be a part of a community. And what does it look like to be a gospel community in any way? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many good passages in this day. I'm going to start us off with this first one, John 13, 34 through 35. Mm -hmm. I give you a new command. This is Jesus speaking. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And that First John 3 passage, verse 16 says, This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his mm. life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, mm. how does God's love reside in him? Little mm. children, let us not love in word or in speech, but in action and in truth. Mm. Was that a growl? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yes, yes. Love as the antidote for greed and selfishness and self-protection, right, which is rooted in our fear. But this spiritually informed, countercultural way of being because of the love of God, we don't have to live as if we're keeping ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there's a freedom in that, although it's quite scary. We have to have these reminders. I think that John 13 passage, that, you know, that new command to love one another. And Mm -hmm. and we can think about other scriptures that remind us that, you know, all of the law and prophets are summed up Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this matter of love, you know. And obviously we, we map onto the word love all of our kind of, you know, experiences and, you know, our cultural context. But Christ draws our imagination to Jesus's work. To help define the word love, the type of love mm-hmm. that we show for each other, which yeah. is which is sacrificial. Yes. It's decentering of yes. those who have power. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it can't be all about me. It is gracious, it's forgiving, it's generous. And yeah, and I think being reminded of the unique way that Jesus loves his people helps us to get an imagination for how we're then called to love, to love each other. And obviously that being the great gospel track. That's the big apologetic that we have been given in order That's to, right. in order for people to know that we're for real, in order for people to know that we belong yeah. to Jesus. Like for people in the world to know like, okay, they're real Christians is the way that we treat each other. And that to me is, I mean, I don't know if we can say this any louder. Maybe we can all turn up our, um, <laughs> our earphones right now, people who are listening, <laughs> that it is the way that Christians love each other. Mm-hmm. that bears witness, that speaks that we belong to Jesus. And when you think about the amount of 
infighting and Mm -hmm. uh, denominational tensions and church hurt and spiritual abuse. I mean, I can go on and on because I study kind of church ethics stuff. And that's not all that we are. We're not all the bad news, right? But I think we're missing something here when Christ is giving us this reminder that, no, we we have to love deeply and truly. And it's interesting that we've moved to this section just having left the baptism conversation. When we think about how controversial, by the way, not controversial, but deadly, throughout church history, this matter of baptism has been for people in the way in which at those time periods, we were standing in absolute rejection to Christ's words to love each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not that the Lord doesn't think baptism is important. Clearly, Jesus was baptized. <laughs> Jesus believes right. baptism right. is important. <laughs> right. Um, and yet we're still commanded through our differences to love each other in the way that Jesus loves us. And that's how other people are going to know that we belong to him. We have a new sponsor for the She Reads Truth podcast, Amanda. We do. Who is it? Tell okay, me. Okay, this week's episode is brought to us by Athletic Greens. Have you heard of them? I'm going to be honest, I have not. Okay, well, listen, I started taking, it's called AG1 okay. for two reasons. One, I wanted to have more energy. <laughs> yeah, same. Same, same. <laughs> and number two, I've been hearing about it, and I've just been curious if it's worth the hype. Okay, so what's your review? So also, I will say I was super skeptical about the taste because I didn't want it to taste I like... I mean, it is called Athletic, athletic greens. greens. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, my honest take is it tasted great. Like, it really tastes good. Like, it really I mean, did I'm not watching, taste bad. you guys, I'm looking at her face to make <laughs> sure she's telling me the truth. Not that she lies to me. She does not lie to me. But she said, you're telling me the truth I'm right now, I'm telling you the truth. Okay, and here's you. the deal. I was worried that it would taste healthy. Which I don't know if <laughs> But it doesn't And somehow like when something that's healthy tastes good You're like oh that means there's uh-huh. a lot of sugar in it uh-huh. There is one gram of sugar per scoop Wow that's not That's good That's great yeah, yeah I check sugar on a lot of things And I feel like one gram is You're rocking with one Okay gram. so for our friends like Amanda Who mm-hmm. haven't heard about athletic grains yeah. Here's the deal One scoop of AG1 added to Eight ounces of water in the morning You could do six ounces if you want But yeah I mean eight ounces is small Like that's not much It's still not bad So a yeah. glass of water in the morning You are absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens which i don't know what that is but it sounds good (laughs) i want that i want that that sounds great listen i love efficiency so i love that in one scoop i am supporting my gut health my nervous system my immune system hallelujah my energy my recovery my focus and aging Okay, I'm in now. Yeah, yeah. You're like, no, I'm in. <laughs> you, yeah. you interested me in energy and you sealed the deal at AJ. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So we obviously love to talk about beneficial habits here on the She Reads Truth podcast. And AG1 is a micro habit with big benefits. Right now, Athletic Greens invites our listeners to reclaim their health and arm their immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. And I love this especially because my vitamin drawer is out of control. <laughs> So if I can do one thing instead of a hundred things, I am in. Sign me up. All right. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give our listeners, listen to this, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Wow. A whole year. And five free travel packs with their first purchase. That feels like a win. Okay. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash truth. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash truth to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. As you may have heard, She Reads Truth is celebrating a big birthday this year. It is our 10th birthday, and to celebrate 10 years of reading God's Word together, we are joining the movement to get Scripture translated, not just into our language, we've got it, but we're getting it translated into every language for every person on earth. Oh, that makes me so happy. What a good birthday present. Okay, you may have known, I did not know that there are more than 1 billion, with a B, people around the world with little or no access to Scripture in their language. But now, thanks to Illuminations, which is an organization that links the arms of various Bible translation organizations around the world, we have the opportunity to help end Bible poverty by the year 2033. In our lifetime. Lord willing. That's incredible. Yeah. On average, y'all, it costs $35 to translate one verse of scripture. So if you want to join Amanda and me and the She Reads Truth community in a big 
birthday push and a way to say thank you for the fact that we have scripture in our language. If you want to join us, you can give a one-time gift or you can sign up for the 12 verse challenge to give $35 every month for a year. And that funds 12 verses of scripture into a brand new translation. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Okay. We have a goal of having 1,000 women, 1,000 of you donate with us. We're donating too. I think it's going to be 5,000, but sure. We'll start with 1,000. Our stretch goal is 5,000. Our heart goal is (laughs) 5,000. And be part of the generation that helps translate scripture for every people group around the world. Will you join us? Will you help us celebrate God's faithfulness to this community of Bible readers by making it possible for more women and men around the world to be Bible readers? To be in the Word of God every day. That's right. Here's how you do it. You go to 12vc.com slash she reads truth. That is 12vc.com slash she reads truth to be a part of the movement. You're going to see it moving. We say movement because we mean it. You're going to see numbers going up because y'all are amazing and y'all are thankful and y'all are giving and generous and taking the good news of Christ to the ends of the earth. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Back to the show. Christina, you recently released a new book, and it's called Faithful Mm Anti-Racism. And you wrote that with a brother in Christ, Chad Brennan, who is a white man, and -hmm. you are a black woman, and you wrote this book (laughs) together. (laughs) Absolutely. um, Make it it plain now. (laughs) That's right. I am. I'm like, they can't see you, so I'm just going to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let them know. Um, (laughs) But here's my question. You talk about, early in the book, you and Chad talk about horizontal and vertical aspects of the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. And how we tend sometimes as Christians to assume that the Mm -hmm. vertical is like by and far the most important thing. Like my my relationship with the Lord, and sometimes almost to the exclusion of the horizontal, Mm -hmm. right? And I think, can you help us understand a little bit how this being the church, the capital C church, mm-hmm. kind of talk to us more about what you just said, that this way that we mm-hmm. that we see the gospel working out horizontally mm-hmm. is so key to our witness as Jesus followers. Yeah. You know, how can we say that we love God who we cannot see and mm-hmm. not love our brother who we can see? So there is a way in which God calls our bluff about, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I really, really, really love Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you know, God calls our bluff on that because uh, yeah. God gives us image bearers to love, to demonstrate love for God through loving those who bear His image. And obviously, that's people that are part of the covenant family of faith, but that also includes just all the humans. <laughs> all mm-hmm. the humans. All the humans. All the humans, right? The ones that seem easy to love and the ones that seem like quite a challenge. Yeah. And we ought to be grateful for that because. The truth is we can be quite a challenge. And so that's the way that it's set up. It's set up that we demonstrate a love for God in the way that we love those who bear God's image. Mm -hmm. And when we use our piety or some expression of piety to get out of loving people, it's very much like uh, the expert in the law who, Mm -hmm. you know, ignores the man on the side of the road who's been beaten and left for dead. Mm -hmm. And then you have Levites who walk by. You got the good religious people that walk by. And it yeah. takes the Samaritan, the one who the Jewish people of the day would have looked at and said, this person is of you know mixed heritage in some way and, and kind of a syncretized religious expression in some way. But Jesus lifts the good Samaritan up as an example of neighbor love. And maybe the people who would have heard this would have thought, well, we don't like their theology, but their theology of practice was spot on in that moment yeah, yeah. that that person loved and gave generously and said, I'll take care of this person's needs going forward. So, yeah, I just think the Lord gives us an opportunity to demonstrate our love for God. You know, God is not insecure. <laughs> so, mm. you know, God directs us to love God by loving and through loving people. And also the other part of that is scripture also teaches us that we love God through obedience to God's command. So we are commanded to obey what God lays before us to live as God has called us to individually live, kind of like a personal piety. But we're also called to love our neighbor deeply and richly. It's good. It's so good. If our vertical, if our relationship with God is on the foundation and basis of the work of Jesus— 
And if our goal is to be like Jesus, I mean, Jesus laid down his life. Mm-hmm. So it really, it's not a the vertical to the exclusion of the horizontal. It doesn't make sense right. in yeah, the gos- yeah, yeah. In, a, right. in a gospel framework. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We love because he first work. loved us. And well, and yes. I think, yes. so one of the things that I think uh, Christians, maybe throughout the world, but I would especially say Christians in the Western part of the world, we really struggle with the paradoxes of the Christian faith, the things that seem like they're in contradiction or the mm. things that seem like they're in competition, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Like to be forgiving and to do justice. Like, we, you know, sometimes people yeah. are like, oh, how can you do that? <laughs> yeah. or, and I'm like, oh, you must do that. <laughs> it's not like, right. how can That's you? Right. We must do that. And likewise, even with this matter of loving people and loving God, like we put that in contradiction, then we want to rank it. But I'm so grateful that Jesus helps to settle that. You know, Jesus says things like, well, the second one is like the first. Like, you know, he, like, he gives us this cheat sheet and helps us along the way, mm-hmm. knowing like knowing how we roll, like knowing the way our brains work and our weaknesses, right? And so, but yeah, the paradoxes of the faith, that's what I think trips a lot of people up. We are always wanting to kind of rank things. And even in the book that you mentioned, there are so many people who struggle with how the gospel calls them to think about issues of social inequity and racism, specifically is what this book is about. And the gospel has something to say about everything, (laughs) about everything. And yeah, and I think that sometimes we can have this kind of desire to want to rank the priorities and the expressions of the gospel, but it is, the gospel is so full and rich and cosmic and globally redemptive that it just it just can't be put in a box it is more than it, it doesn't exclude but it is more than just my individual salvation that's for sure mm-hmm. it's good Oh, it's so good. And it's almost like these reading days are on purpose, you guys, because that centrality of remembering, you know, the life, death, resurrection, ascension mm-hmm. of Jesus, it's so central and we are so forgetful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for the day 24 reading that the church <laughs> is a people of remembrance, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. also known by communion or the Eucharist. It's established by Jesus when he observed the Passover meal with his disciples, and it proclaims the gospel to ourselves and to each other yes. every time we partake in the meal. And you all, we won't read all of it. It's such good reading mm-hmm. for this day. We'll read a little bit, but please, please don't miss it. Well, and in that day's reading is the instructions for the Passover, which is sort of like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. story in Exodus that was yeah. the reason that Jesus and the disciples were gathered in the upper room mm-hmm. that night mm-hmm. was to observe the Passover. And it was sort of this like, yeah. this is the last time we're doing this because now we're doing this. But that story I love so much. We're not going to read it today. But those of you listening that don't know, Exodus is the next book of the Bible that we're going to be reading. Mm -hmm. together. So in two weeks, we're going to read Exodus. So y'all listening that are subscribers, you've already got your Exodus books probably in your your laps. I like to think of them in your laps. I love that book. (laughs) (laughs) But also like, listen, if you don't have that book, it's not too late. I don't think it's too late to order it. You can order it now. If you subscribe to the sub box now, you get Exodus in your June box. Great. And that is subscription.shopshereadstruth.com. I got Very it right. good. That Thank is you. right. I had to think really hard, I know. but that is correct. And then the next one after that, sorry for this derailment, is a psalm study that you are not going to want to miss. I think I just keep seeing Amanda <laughs> running up and down the halls of the office in excitement Y'all. about this psalm study that's yes. coming up. Just, um, but anyway, that was a side note to say we're not good. reading the, the Passover story today, but we're going to be reading that real soon as a community. I'm excited. Here's what I do want to read, um, and then you'll just go read more about the Lord's Supper, and it's just beautiful. But in 1 Corinthians 11, this is 23 through 26, and this happens to be at least at my church and possibly at your too as well, because I happen to know Mm -hmm. your pastors too. This is oftentimes what we read. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what the pastor reads Mm -hmm. in advance of the Lord's Supper. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Mm -hmm. also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Mm -hmm. 
So it's another one of those rehearsals, right? Where yeah. we're just rehearsing the yeah. story. To and each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as we and to wait. Ourselves. That's right. As we wait for that second advent, as we wait for Jesus to come back, these are the gifts. These are such gifts. You were right, Christina. These tangible things that we can taste and touch and see mm-hmm. and feel to remind ourselves of what is true. I'm mm-hmm. really grateful. Yeah, yeah. We have such deep spiritual amnesia. And uh, whether you're in a tradition that, you know, monthly or quarterly or every Sunday communion kind of woman. Um, uh But regardless of the tradition, the Lord knows that we forget. Throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, you would hear the words of the prophet as instructed by the Lord to say, remember, remember, Uh remember, remember what I brought you from. Remember when you were in Egypt. Remember when you were a foreigner. Remember when you were being mistreated. Remember Uh how I delivered you. And here we get this constant opportunity to remember, remember what Christ has done for you, compelled by love to take on all your sin, right? And to give to you his righteousness. Remember this every single week, every single day, because you're going to need it (laughs) as you live this life. And you're going to remember it until our faith becomes sight, until that appetizer that we get becomes a full course meal before <laughs> before God yes. himself. And that is yeah. just an amazing thing to think about, that we're just getting a, a foretaste of this banquet table that is to come. Now we see in the mirror Amen. dimly, and then we shall see face to face. Amen. It is our foretaste. I love that you're talking about this, like this being the people of remembrance. It applies very much to the practice of communion, but it it really carries beautifully into the other two days of this week of being people, like the church is proclaiming the word and the church is preserving the message. Like those are the things that it is our job, it is our calling. Mm -hmm. Like we just, two studies ago, we're reading First and Second Timothy and like that is the thrust of Paul's message. Just like preserve what has been entrusted to you and preach the word, be Mm -hmm. that, like let the church be this and guard it, right? Yeah. 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 It's hard to know what to... There's so much good (laughs) stuff, y'all. You're going to love, love, love reading it. I mean, here in... And this is, you know, talking about the church. The statement here says the church is shaped, convicted, and encouraged. Mm. Those are three strong verbs here. Shaped, convicted, (laughs) and encouraged by the teaching and sharing of God's Word, Mm -hmm. which, you know, like fuels what we Mm. do here at She Reads Truth. But it's what Jesus did. Yeah. Jesus, Mm. this passage here from Luke 4. Christina, would you read that for us, that 16 through 21? He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unscrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. The reading of the word by the word. By the word, yes. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that he went and got the scroll, opened it up, found (laughs) where it was written. He didn't need to do that. That was for us. That was for Mm -hmm. his audience then and for us now that he was like, this is where it is. And we're going to read this word for word and you're going to hear. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's a little trippy too. It's a little trippy too. (laughs) It's a little trippy too. It's fulfilled in the reading of this. It's fulfilled. When I heard you all mention that you have a series coming up on, you know, the Psalms, and I was Mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, just Psalm 116, Jesus singing that as he's, you know, at the Passover, he's singing about himself. I mean, there's so many moments in scripture where Jesus is like, ha ha ha, like, this is about me. (laughs) I'm adding adding the sound effects to your your translation because I do believe Uh that the God man has all kinds of personality. But, you know, this is just, it's amazing to think about what happens what happens in this passage. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it, it also takes a turn in this passage too, right? But this Luke 4 passage of, of thinking about the fullness of all that Christ is going to bring, this mm-hmm. spiritual and earthly redemption, spiritual implications, but also there's natural implications that are in this text. And his listeners who would have known what it means to be oppressed religious minority and, you know, would have heard this and thinking like, oh, liberation has come. Mm -hmm. 
Amen. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. And this is what we do as the church is we are this that we're doing right now with study books, you know, God's word open, Bible's open, mm-hmm. and talking to one another and telling each other the story. Mm-hmm. That's you know, it's what Micah does, mm-hmm. you know, on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. when he speaks from the pulpit in proclaiming the truth and the gospel. And so and that is not something that's just reserved for Pastors. That's right. But this passage in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Mm. I love that language, Mm. that it's not, it's a speaking it so much that it is just, we're like steeping in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Mm. And that First Timothy chapter four thirteen. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Give your attention to this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, oh, <laughs> very important. To be clear, that's that's Paul speaking, not Jesus speaking. When you hear the "until I come," sometimes it's Jesus, but this was Paul. That was Paul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing that. Um, obviously, you all you have a show called "She Reads Truth." You take reading the Bible <laughs> seriously. <laughs> But Jesus, I mean, it's it's so important for us to take the word seriously that Jesus works mm-hmm. through the word. I mean, this right. is right. fully God, fully man, and still choosing to work through the word. And because Jesus is doing everything that we need to do as we live this life, right? And so um, we yes. talked about the baptisms, faithful and obedience to be baptized, but also faithful and obedience to live by the word, the mm-hmm. word, living by the word. Why saying, hey, look at me. I'm like the dot to dot that you need to follow. And likewise, mm-hmm. you're going to need to live by the word to even see me rightly. Right. So that, that the other passage that was in there about, you know, the disciples, this grieving disciples, and he reveals himself through the word. Yeah. You know, right. he, he, he takes him through a Bible study instead of saying like, ta-da, I'm here. <laughs> He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show me. you a ta-da, I'm here. Through scripture. And hopefully we all are experiencing that, whether it's in our Sunday service or in our time alone with the Lord, that when the word is being proclaimed, we are feeling like, ta-da, Jesus Mm -hmm. is here with us. Amen. Amen. And in the word, so we've got proclaiming the word, and then we have the churches preserving the message. So in God's word, we get the message of the gospel. And in the person of Jesus, the word, the living word, we get... The work of the um, gospel. Yeah, that's right. And so I really appreciated this summary statement where it says that the church is called to faithfully teach the gospel of Jesus as presented through scripture. It's good. I think that as presented through scripture is (laughs) important and it builds on the day before. Right, that we are to guard against false teaching. So part of that preserving the message is to guard against false teachings and ideologies that alter or distract from the good news. Now, if this isn't a word for today, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so much of, you know, all of Scripture is a word for mm-hmm. today. But you all will see, you'll read this day from Acts mm-hmm. 15 about the Jerusalem Council. And so, mm-hmm. and we won't read it all, but there's some key language in here where, you know, there were people who were saying, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. Mm-hmm. And it is not a far reach to think about how the Today Church says, unless you are, da 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 you cannot be saved. Mm -hmm. And how we are putting, oftentimes in Jesus' name, we are placing qualifications Mm -hmm. on the gospel and on salvation that Jesus does not place. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean those things aren't important, but they are they in the essentials? You know, Mm -hmm. what is the message? And so, man, it's just so important. And it goes back to the no distinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That we were talking about earlier. Yeah. There's a long history of of us. Because we today are no better than our brothers and sisters in the faith in the early church and throughout history. Yeah, there's a long history of us of us adding to. You know, I I often say that you know Jesus sits on a throne, not a love seat. And by that I mean, (laughs) not that Jesus doesn't want our company, (laughs) but what but that what I mean by that is that we don't add things to Jesus. It's Jesus only. And Mm -hmm. it is incredibly tempting to make it Jesus plus our political affiliation, Jesus plus our 
you know, whatever we've been taught and, you know, kind of our cultural mythologies, you know, and then rules that we add to mm-hmm. people's life that weigh them down, that weigh That's them right. down. Legalism is contagious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, <laughs> legalism yes. really likes company. <laughs> So, but Jesus has set us free for freedom's sake. And yeah, and I think the adding to the perfect purity of the law is really about an attempt to be the lawgiver, and only God is the lawgiver alone, right? Um, It's just a really beautiful reminder. And again, we can look throughout history to see how that's happened so many times so that we can get wisdom and warning. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When we do that, you know, when we're tempted to do that, that Jesus is enough. Amen. Amen. We talked about this last study, our study before This is the Church was called This is the Gospel. It was just Mm -hmm. the two-weeker. But y'all who listen to that know that one of the first things that we talked about was kind of that twofold. We are not capable of qualifying ourselves for Mm. salvation. There's nothing we can do to qualify ourselves or anyone else. Um, And then the other side of that is we also don't have the power to disqualify ourselves or to disqualify someone else. Like the only contribution we can make is our need. Yeah. Salvation belongs to God. That's right. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. I'm really sad that we don't have lots more time to talk about this because (laughs) it would be so fun to keep digging into this with you, Christina. But I do want to read over us Hebrews 13. This is from verse eight and nine. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace. And then he goes on to say, you know, the author of Hebrews goes on to say, and not by food regulations. Right. But I mean, yeah. what else could not we put there, the right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that it is good for the heart to be established by grace and that that this message that we're preserving, it does not change because Jesus does not change. Mm-hmm. And that is the reason that we can come in here with our opinions and even our own personal convictions, and without making light of those, we can still unify as the capital C Church on the message of the gospel. Yeah. And it's a beautiful and transformative message, right? Even the yeah, passage that you just referenced, when they kind of go on, I think in our modern ears, when we hear them go to, you know, go to town about food, like these this food pieces, and we tend to eat kind of whatever we want to eat, mm-hmm. <laughs> except some of my very discerning friends are very careful about the things they eat, but I tend to uh-huh. eat kind of whatever I like to eat. But that really was a nod to the cultural markers that make up people right. who yes. they are. And it was and it was deep. It was a very big deal. If you think about yeah. you know, right. Paul and Paul and Peter and all you know all the the whole confrontation that happened in that text in Acts. So yeah, all of that to say that we have to constantly be reminded of the freedom and liberty that we have in Christ and to Amen. resist trying to take the change that God has freed us from and putting them on other people. That's right. In fact, we read this week and I don't know if I'm gonna be able to quickly find it, but that that we should use, it's in the gospel community passage, I think, where we should use our freedom to serve one another. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, how, look how that works here, y'all. You're free to serve. You're free yes, to that's serve. right. You're yes. free to love. Here it is. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. It's Galatians 5. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Mm. The whole law is fulfilled in that's one right. statement. That's Love right. your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, Christian freedom is it's so different than kind of kind of humanist freedom or mm-hmm. nationalistic freedom. Mm-hmm. Our freedom is solely on the agenda of love. So we are free to obey God. We are free to resist sin. We are free to be generous. Amen. We are free Amen. to love people. We are free to forgive. I mean, so it's a it's a freedom that's on the agenda of righteousness, justice, and compassion. And so, again, I think we have to work through some of our own kind of worldviews and kind of cultural pieces to really even think about the word freedom rightly, because this this is a freedom yeah. that we might be more like Jesus. That's right. Amen. That's right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Let oh. it be so, Lord. Make it so. Amen. Okay. Amen. The only way. <laughs> All right, friends listening, you know it's time. We have to wrap this up. Reminders for you as we go into the week. 
This is just your encouragement to start being a woman in the Word of God every day this week. This conversation is meant to just get you excited about the Bible reading that you're going to do on your own this week. And also, it is meant to encourage you to talk with your friends about what you are learning in Scripture. Mm-hmm. All of these conversations about the church, these should be sparking conversations at your tables and wherever you are with your pastors about what your church practices and why and how you can be involved. We talked at the very beginning of the series that we want our desire for you as you walk through the series with us is that you would get a clear picture of your identity as a believer, as a part of the mm-hmm. church, and that your identity would inform your practice. And so if you think about that as you read this week, that's our encouragement to you. After this week, we have our last week of our This is the Church study, and we have Ann Lincoln Holybaugh coming and joining us next week. We're so excited to meet her. I'm excited. We can't wait. And then after that, like we said, we are going to open the book of Exodus as a community, and we're going to look at our history. And I love the book of Exodus. Mm, I'm excited about it's gonna that. Be it's going to be um, good. We guys, like the Bible. You guys that are subscribers, you already have that book. If you aren't, you can be a subscriber and get that book, or you can just order it. So either way, you'll want the book for Exodus. There is a gorgeous illustration of oh the tabernacle, the tabernacle. illustration. I'd already forgotten. Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm. So get and excited really about that. Yeah, it's. The prettiest illustration of the tabernacle I've ever seen. So anyway, I'm excited about that. Listen, Christina, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you, thank for you, joining thank you. us and for giving us this time. I love everything that you had to say. Oh, th- well, so thank good. y'all for letting me join in. And again, yeah, your material, what you do for all listeners, men and women. I'm sure there's some men that are definitely listening. I hope yeah. so. They're out there. I, I, I feel certain that they're like, let me get near She Reads Truth. What's <laughs> the story I there? need truth, yeah. too. But yeah, yeah. What, what you do here, I think, is so rich and uh, obviously lifting up the Word of God, but also creating community and giving mm-hmm. people a place to press pause. So, so, yeah. it, it, um, so I, I appreciate the mm-hmm. invitation. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, well, thank you Absolutely. so much. Christina, the last question that we have is, until next week, what do we tell our listeners? Keep opening your Bibles.